0: Amen. You may be seated. Who, who likes to read the comments? You know, on a, like on a YouTube video, you ever watch a video and then you read the comments below or, uh, or go to a, a social media post and then read the comments uh, afterwards or even a, a, like a news headline, uh, an article, open up the article, read the article, read the comments below. Uh, I, I want to suggest to read the comments, but I really don't. Um, I, I did it again this week. I watched a video on YouTube, and I don't even remember what, it was, uh, what the video was about, but I, just re- I read the comments, and I thought, man, this is why you're not supposed to read the comments. I mean, the video has, a, has content, and someone put some time into it, and then the comments, people just say the, the first thing on their mind, and it's usually uh, attacking. I like those. I don't like them, but I remember a few years ago, I watched a video about uh, gun control laws and uh that one i mean you know very polarizing find a topic that's real polarizing and then just read the comments don't even watch the video read the article uh it's, it's pretty it's pretty, it's not fun at all don't do it uh I remember one guy, he was like, everyone should have a gun, every person, doesn't matter who they are. And then the other guy was like, no one should have guns. And, I mean, but it wasn't just that they had different opinions. Obviously, we all have different opinions, and there's the gray area, there's, you know, a spectrum, and you're, on one, you're not on one end or the other most of the time. There are those people. The people who comment usually are on one end or another. You know, most people, I think, are a little more level-headed and can, can at least see uh, different sides and different views and understand a little bit. Um, but uh, just like with all these topics, it's like, not only are the views different, but one person comes across like they're better than the other, and then the other person comes across like they're better than the other person. And both are usually condescending and rude, and they assume the other's ignorant and have no idea how they could possibly think that way. And, uh, and then some people, you read the comments, and some of them are a little more passive. like You're, you're like, okay, I, uh, they, they come across like they understand the other person. But usually there's that one sentence or uh, one remark but yeah, they still think the other person's, and uh, I don't even want, I don't want to say names up here, but um, but but they they make it they make it sound like they know everything, and the other person is is just there's no way they could have that poor of judgment. Now it is natural to have opposing views. Uh, we know that. We might even um, believe that that someone else is completely wrong on an, on an issue. But the question I want to ask is: How do we feel about ourselves and that person? because of an issue, because of a thought process on an issue. Obviously, the topic can be polarizing, but when we, when we start with that, what happens then? We start to judge a person. Because they believe this about that one topic, I hate them. I can't stand them. I mean, we really, it, it takes it really far sometimes. Um, being right about everything, we know it doesn't go well uh, relationally, that's, we, we start to be right about everything, or think we are, and then no one likes us, and, and we only look to the flaws in others. But maybe you've done this, and then, and then you got to know someone, and you talked to them about maybe other issues, or just life in general, and then you actually started to like them. I, I know there are people here who did not like me uh, when I first started, um, mostly because you guys told me that. Um <laughs> But uh, over the course of time, I, I'd like to think that you got to know me, and, and maybe we resolved through uh, certain issues. And the, the ones who don't like me now, uh, they, they left, so we don't have to worry about... No, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, they did. Um, but anyway, uh, you can only listen to someone you don't like for so many weeks, really. Um, but anyway, uh, there actually have been people that I didn't really um, agree with on things, and I thought that they had a bad attitude, and maybe they were conceited. And, uh, and then after talking with them, I would, I would call them friends now. I mean, that, that's really happened. Even some people here early on, uh, we had some issues, and, and I feel like, you know, over time, you just you talk. You figure out why they think what they think, and you, you share why you feel the way you do, and you find some kind of compromise or at least an understanding of each other. Um, I, I used to think that the Apostle Paul was arrogant and conceited, mean um, he, he, wrote, he wrote much of the New Testament. Uh, this guy was on fire for Jesus. And I, I used to, when I would read it, I'm like, well, that, why is he bragging about himself? But then over time, after I read it more and started to see, okay, this guy is just wanting everyone to know Jesus. It's not about himself. Anyway, sometimes we see that in others, maybe when it's in ourselves a little bit. The pride flatitude's not good and we hate it in others, but we don't always see it in ourselves. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. A haughtiness before a fall. On the flip side, Psalm fifty-one, seventeen says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Pride is usually uh, looked at as being bad. Humility as being good. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a parable today, a story that Jesus told. And I'm, I'm going to read the first verse. I'll tell you what it is in a second. Um, but the verse is not the parable. The verse is just what the parable is for or who it's for. And so it's Luke chapter 18, verse 9, and it just says this, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. I'm not going to read the parable yet. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to read this story though, and it's about two people who are very different, um, different life experiences, and it appears very different uh, views of themselves. And, and so we're going to have a chance then to put ourselves in this story. And you might, you might think uh, you're one person in the story, um, but not all the parts of that person or the other person, but there's some things that are different. Um, so it's, it's going to take the whole morning, I think, to really think about this, to process through what this looks like. Um, but I want you to be careful um, in picking who you are. Don't just right away when I first read it say, that's me, okay? Uh, we're we're going to walk through it. While, uh, while visiting a neighbor... A kid uh, named Andrew, five-year-old, he pulled out his, his yearbook, and he opened to his class, uh, his class and the picture was up there, and, and he started to describe each classmate. He said, this kid is Eli, he hits everyone, and this kid is Stephen, he never listens to the teacher, and this is Mark, he chases us, and he's really noisy, and then he points to his own picture, he said, uh, and this is me, I'm just sitting here minding my own business. Oh, well, I don't know. I didn't. No one laughed first. Service. I asked Ellie. She said it was funny, so I shared it anyway. But I just like to throw a joke in there every now and then. So this story that's coming, who is it for? Um, I, I already read it, but I want I want to really focus on this for a second. The people. It says it says the people. So I think the assumption then there's more than one. So some people. It's not just for one person. It's for anyone who is isn't is in this boat, confident of their own righteousness. Okay, so I'm good. I I do enough good. I'm good. And then look down on, it says, everyone else. Oh, they're not good. Nope, they're not good either. So I'm going to ask myself, and I hope that you'll do the same. This is a a self-evaluation this morning. Am I confident in my own righteousness? Or in a more modern way of saying this, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough to be good with God? Am I doing enough to get into heaven? Am, am I, am I good? Do I do enough good things and nice things for people, and those bad things, do I keep those to a minimum? Okay, I'm going to come back to this later to answer that, even for myself, for all of us. But second, I don't even want to ask the same question as the text. I know the question in here. Uh, it, I'm not going to ask, do I look down on others? I'm going to ask, who do I look down on right now? Because I think, and I could be wrong, I think all of us look down on other people at some point. Uh, there are people that that we just we just look down on in some way. Doesn't mean we hate them. Doesn't mean that we always are judging them all the time. But I think there are people that we all look down on at times. And, and so the first person that I would say, who am I looking down on? Do you look down on people who are who are similar to you, but you think you're just you do it just a little better? Like, do I think that I that you know maybe it's someone who's a coworker? We've got the same job. We have the we're both married. We have the same same amount of kids. Uh, do I look? Uh, dwell it down on on that person do I say well you know we've both get really been given everything the same we've had the same opportunities but man, he's got that one flaw or he does this one thing in his relationship with his with his wife or his kids and and I you know you just find that one little thing that "Eh, I'm I'm a little better than him good thing I don't do that like he does or I think like many people, especially those people who like to comment on, on uh, social media and YouTube, not that all comments are bad, but we look down on people who are different. Not, not anyone like me. It started in school. If you were an athlete, you would say, well, why wasn't that kid an athlete? Is, is, is he weird? Or, or you're in the band, and you're like, well, why isn't she in the band? Is, is there something wrong with her? I mean, everyone likes music. We start, to, we start to put people in their separate groups, and we have different names for the groups. And then all of a sudden, if you're in any way associated with them, then you're a part of that group. When we grow up, though, we, we don't act like that anymore. No, we do. Um, some, some things are small. March Madness rivalries. You know, right now March Madness is going on, so, so people are, well, this school always wins, and they've lost uh, three out of the last four years in the first round, and uh, I'm actually thinking of specific teams. And then baseball season's coming up, and if you're, a, if you're a Cardinals fan, you're wonderful, and if you're a Cubs fan, you're still wonderful. Thanks. <laughs> I'll take that over election time any day. I mean, election time is just terrible, you know, as far as people really judging and hating other people. Um, We get really good at finding ways of looking down on others, whether it's small or big, and it helps us to feel better about ourselves. And I think the media thrives on it. I think some politicians really use it in their benefit, and I think it keeps our country divided. Uh, because if we can judge, and then there's two sides, and then you know you think I think about the presidential uh, candidates. One had this group of people and was going to do anything possible to keep those people, and the other was going to do what they could to keep these people. And then because you identify with that person, it's, uh, it's probably a good uh, good campaign um, or or way to go about a campaign. But it's terrible for division in our country. And so Jesus tells a story to these people, any of these people who were confident that they were good. And everyone else was bad. He says this, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. I got to give you a little background here because when I think of what are, who are the Pharisees and who are the tax collectors, why are they? Why is there such a big difference here? The Pharisees were the religious people; they were the people that worship God. And I know at times uh, there are things that are uh, there are scripture there's scripture that's like these are the worst people, but they weren't all bad. I mean, these were, the, these were the people, they believed they were saved because they were Jewish, and they were able to stay saved by being obedient, and, and some hated other people of different nationalities and religions, but I don't think all of them were terrible. I think most of the people would look at the Pharisees and say, these were the good guys, these were the good people, these were the religious people. Many of the Pharisees loved God, and they tried to do what was right, and they tried, they tried to stay pure, and, uh, even when the world around them was not. And they lived a life of a religious activity, much, much like many of us. Um, but just like people in the church, um, sometimes we miss the point. And they miss the point uh, in, a, in a really big way at times. I, don't, I wouldn't like it if everyone outside the church said, well, all the people in the church are hypocrites and they're terrible because they're those religious nuts. You know, I, I wouldn't want that but a few people can make them all look really bad. And I think that's what was happening here. It wasn't all the people, it was to some who looked down on others. To some of the people who maybe were hypocrites and judgmental, Jesus told this story. He said that even when the tax collector entered, that he stood far, he stood back. I don't know if it was because he didn't want to be close to where he felt God was, or if he didn't feel like being close to the Pharisee because he thought, well, this guy probably thinks he's better than me, or I think he's better than me judging by the scripture, I think he felt pretty lowly of himself. But the community would have picked the Pharisee in any, any contest. If they were voting on a mayor, they would have voted for the Pharisee. If they were deciding who could date my daughter, it would have been the Pharisee. If, if they could have uh, invited one of them over for dinner, it would have been the Pharisee. But the Pharisee looked down on everyone else. This guy was proud. It, it was a uh, he says, he says some of the things that he's done. See, it was Jewish law to fast once a year. But some of the Pharisees said, you know what, we're going to fast twice a week. We're going to make sure we do, do this really well. And he says that that's one, of, that's one of the things he did. It was required to give a tenth of all livestock and main crops. He extended it to include garden herbs. Just took it a little bit further to say, you know what, I'm, I'm better than those people. I think this story, when I first read it, I kind of thought, okay, one guy's looking to God and the other guy's looking to himself. But then as you read through it, like, no, no, no. They both were looking to themselves. They were both evaluating themselves. One just thought a little bit differently. It's a good thing to evaluate ourselves, but what do we see? See, one man said, said uh, what he saw was, um, God, I, look at me, I'm good. And the other one said, God, look at me, I'm, I'm not good. I need your help. Big difference. It says that he beat his breast. It was an act of grief and repentance. I know how bad I am. I need your help. Maybe you feel a strong connection with this man. I want you to realize that this man was a tax collector, not a former tax collector. He hadn't um, made everything right and then came and worshiped God. He came to God when he was uh, at his worst. See, the tax collectors then are not like today. Uh, doesn't, you know, you work for the IRS. Maybe some people don't like taxes or who does, but, but we don't look at the people the way that they did back then. These tax collectors were traitors and they were crooks and they worked for the Roman government whom they thought that Jesus was coming to destroy. And so they, they would take more than they could. If, if the tax was, uh, was just say $100, then they might take 200 and put 100 in their pocket and, and give Rome the other 100. I mean, they were, they were terrible people as far as they took from anyone. Um, and, and so the tax collectors at the time were—I mean, they were hated. What could he? What could he say? I mean, honestly, what could the with the tax collector say? He knows his life; everyone knows about him, and he goes in and he worships. Him, and, and what could he really say? And so the, he says the only thing he can say: "God, I need help. Save me." One of my favorite passages in the Bible is—it's uh, written by Paul, uh, who was again the guy I talked about earlier—and um, and, and uh, he he was a bad person. I mean, we're all, we're all bad. He was doing very bad things. And, um, and, and so then he changed his ways. He had, um, he had went from persecuting Christians and having them thrown into to prison to be executed to uh, going around and sharing the gospel and telling people about the love of God through Jesus and starting churches, going all over, suffering, doing whatever. Um, but he described himself not early on, but long after the change. And I I really love it because I I want you to hear it. It's in 1 Timothy 1, 12 to 16. And it says this. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love of that are in Christ Jesus. I want to pause there for a second, because these words matter a lot. He says, "...even though I was once a blasphemer, persecutor, and violent man," he's specifically naming the sins that he had committed. This is who he was. This is what he was doing. All right? He says that in past tense. So that tells me he's probably done doing all that stuff." Why did he do it? He said he acted in ignorance and unbelief. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know that there was a better way. There are a lot of people out there that don't know a better way, and we say, well, why are they living that way? Why are, they, why are they doing this to themselves or to their families? Why do they care about that so much? They don't know. They don't know a better way. Paul says that was him. But then he says this. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Notice the wording, that first paragraph, he says, I was this, I was this. I was a blasphemer, persecutor, violent man, past tense. He's done with those. But then he talks about himself again in verse 15, and he says, of whom I am the worst. Not I was the worst. He knows that he's, he's still the same. He's just saved. He's redeemed. He, he knows Jesus now. He was shown mercy while having Christians thrown into prison to be executed. He, he may or may not have been the worst person, but he felt that way. And that's, that's what matters here. That's what I wanted, I wanted to point out here, because he knows that he isn't better it doesn't make him better than the person who's living out there that isn't in church and doesn't know Jesus and doesn't live differently. He's not better than that person. He says, I'm, you know, I'm still the worst. But now he has new life. He said it happens so that Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. Don't we want patience when it's with us? I don't always have patience or time for other people's uh, nonsense. But when I mess up, when I can't work through something, when I've done something wrong and I continue to do it over and over again, and I say I'm going to try better, I'm going to try harder and do better, I want patience for sure. We just don't always want it to give it to, We don't want to give it to others. But he said Christ Jesus displays this patience as an example for those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. Doesn't mean we change everything. We fix everything. We're good enough. We're not going to be good enough. Christianity is about not us being better, but us being saved. And because we're saved, we do better. It's, it's not that I work hard enough to, uh, to get myself into heaven. It's that Jesus died on the cross for me, and he rose, and now I can go to heaven. And because of that, now I'm, I'm gonna, I am going to try harder. I, I don't, I don't want to keep sinning. I don't want to do the thing that put him on the cross. I, I want to live differently so that other people will know this too, because it feels a lot better to know that I'm saved, not because of who I am or what I've done, but because who he is what he did for me. Our goodness does not lead us to God. Recognizing Jesus does. And when we decide that maybe Jesus does offer a better way to live, we can change because of the story. We have to stop looking down on others. We're not, it's not going to start with, with the president or celebrities or on TV. It's going to start in our homes and in our churches and in our community, people who know that there's a better way. If, it'd be great if it changed the whole world. What if it changed your home? What if it changed this church or, or, or Mount Pulaski or wherever you live? I'm not better than a single person here. Sometimes, honestly, sometimes I feel like people say, well, you know, you're the minister, so you probably a little... No, I'm not. Uh, ask my wife. Ask my kids. I mean, really, I'm not better than anyone else. I have my faults. I'm sure everyone does, does here too. I hope I hope we can at least recognize that because that's where it starts. If I don't recognize that I'm a sinner, I don't need Jesus. So do I believe it or not? Do I believe that I'm better than anyone else? No. Sometimes I'd like to think I am. Sometimes I have that, that, that fault. I think we all do. But you've got to start with your, with your family. I'm not better than my wife, and when I start to think, and I'm probably going to treat her a little differently. I'm not better than my kids. Just because I'm older, I might have learned a little bit more. I probably messed up a lot more, too. I'm not better than that guy. You know, you know that guy I'm talking about. Everyone knows that guy and what he's done. Yeah. I'm not better than him. We have to be really careful and not be like the Pharisee and look and say, well, I'm better than him. We can't make a list of of someone else's bad and my good. That's, That's really dangerous. It doesn't work. Instead, like the tax collector, just God have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I know how it looks out there. Read the comments. We don't have to take part in it. You can look at the person next to you, maybe as different from you as they could possibly be, and still love them. You can try to understand them. You can, you can, you can try, and you know sometimes it's not going to make sense. You can say, I don't care what they've been through or who taught them. I don't see how any person could possibly think that way or do that. That might happen, but it doesn't mean I have any more value than that person. I'm sure I don't. So what's the outcome of this story? Verse 14, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, as far as the people who are confident in their own righteousness, I think the message here is is that thinking we are good enough to get ourselves into heaven is the thing that's going to keep us out. If I think I'm good enough, then I don't need Jesus. The Pharisee was not any closer to God than the tax collector, even if, if it looked like it on the outside. Now, we can approach the throne of God, just like these two were in this story, um, not, not from our own righteousness, but, but from, from Jesus' righteousness. The Hebrews 4.14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we pr- profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's as simple as the tax collector looking to God and saying, I messed up, I need help. We have done nothing to win the favor of God, and we never will. We can live to please him, but we cannot do enough to save ourselves. God was willing to do what he needed in hopes of winning our favor. I mean, think about that. God, the creator of the world would give His Son as an offering so that we could be saved if we would just trust Him. We are all saved the exact same way, saved by grace if you place your trust in Him. That's through faith, through grace. When we realize that, we can be sure that we're no better than anyone else. All of us have the same way to salvation. It's through the cross, through the resurrection, and trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When we start to think that way, we start to believe that everyone around us is equal, that's when we can start to live a real meaningful life, joyfully and, and a, a life of fulfillment. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for uh, your love uh, shown through Jesus. Uh, I, I know that I need it. I believe that we all know that we need, we need something uh, to help us uh, to get to you. Uh, you are too great and holy and wonderful, and, and you are perfect in every way, and we don't deserve to be in heaven with you. Um, but this isn't about what we deserve. Uh, You showed us that you loved us. You gave us a gift of eternal life uh, through your Son. So I I just pray that we would make the most of that, that we would accept this gift and not waste what you did for us on the cross. Uh, Give us wisdom uh, both today and the days ahead to help us to move forward, and not look down on others, but to love others just as you loved us. We thank you for Jesus. and It's his name we pray. Amen.